Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. I'm the captain now. Uh, I am the captain again, yes. Today we are reviewing Paul Greengrass's News of the World, starring Tom Hanks and Helena Zengel, um, being released on Christmas Day. Uh, by Universal Pictures, or is it Focus or Universal? Universal, Universal. and then internationally, Universal. Uh, Netflix, Netflix is right? distributing it. Yeah, but not Canada. Canada no. doesn't get included in that international. It's no. sometimes we're international now, sometimes we're not, but not when it comes to this movie. So Universal here, um, it's going the theatrical route with that short window thing right <laughs> i yeah. never know anymore so it's so it's so two to complicated three weeks now. in the theaters and then it'll be available on premium vod in middle of july or uh, july <laughs> yeah <laughs> what what year is it i don't know uh middle of january so yeah um yes as we kind of joked about uh tom hanks and Greengrass together again after captain phillips uh, but a much different film this time around. Eric, take it away. What is News of the World? Yeah, so it's based on the novel by Paulette Giles uh, with the same title. And it's actually uh, the character that Tom Hanks plays, Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, is a character that has appeared in uh, another one of her books called The Color of Lightning, which was originally going to be directed by Ridley Scott. So it's interesting that that's a recurring character in her uh, stories. But uh, Hanks's uh, kid is a newsreader. And when we're introduced to him going from town to town, reading news to people who are either illiterate or just don't have the time to kind of catch up with both, you know, federal and local news, they gather and, you know, pay a, a small uh, uh, sort of tip to uh, Jefferson, so he can read them the news. And this is during the time of post-Civil War, the Reconstruction period, um, as a kid goes from town to town reading and sort of, you know, having interactions with the locals and seeing, you know, what the, the, the political climate is, because you have Union soldiers who are also kind of making things a little bit hostile for, you know, the Southerners and, and what have you. But Hank's kind of you know, as he is, is a very charming and likable uh, presence. And he's able to kind of diffuse a situation if it kind of gets a little bit heated. Um, during the course of his travels, he comes across a young girl who um, was her family, her original family. She's of a German uh, descent was killed. And then she was adopted by the uh, Kiowa uh, tribe. And then that family was killed Um in the uh, struggles by um, Confederate sort of racist type characters. And we see the aftermath of that, but we never see the fight. And he basically is put in charge of this child to get her uh, back to her relatives that are on the other side of San Antonio. So um, basically, yeah. So basically what this is, and I mean, Tom Hanks said it, but uh, I mean, the Mandalorian has copied, westerns but sure. tom hanks has said you know this is the mandalorian but with tom hanks it's perfect marketing speak for tom hanks right yeah. right no but but he but he is he is he's correct. right but yeah but westerns were doing that before um 
you know, the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian and Star Wars in general. I mean, the two inspirations that Star Wars always took from were, you know, like classic Westerns, like the John Ford movies and and what have you. And, you know, Eastern, um, you know, samurai movies like Akira Kurosawa's uh, Hidden Fortress and Seven Samurai. Um, So this is very much kind of like this episodic kind of journey between these two characters um, and sort of them interacting because there's a language barrier. Um, It's him doing his best, but also, you know, trying to kind of reconcile with his past and try to also think about like, you know, what he's doing with this kid and how he's going to get her there and also trying to make money on, on the side of that. There's a very uh, pointed uh, political uh, stance about halfway through when he goes into a small town and starts reading uh, news that is quote unquote fake news, but then asks the people uh, if they want to hear that or want to hear um what is going on uh realistically the weakest part of the movie yeah it's the one social commentary in the film that is just so obvious in terms of what they're doing but at the same time i understand why they're doing it i understand as well but it does feel a little kind of cringy and uh, heavy-handed and heavy-handed as well as it it goes by way too quickly um, like I don't want to jump ahead of, of my thoughts unless you just want to. Yeah, get into let's it. just go into it right um, now because it's it's basic. It's it's a fairly straightforward narrative. Like it's yeah, it's just literally him going from town to town, reading the news, you know, helping this man kid, on a mission, man on a mission yeah. kind of movie again, like the Mandalorian. You know, yeah, no, and uh, I think it's a a solid little little western. I like seeing hanks be a little bit more gruff i mean there's some uh sequences in here where uh, he gets to kick ass a little bit which is kind of fun um and yeah i i enjoyed the movie thoroughly i just i I had an issue with basically that one segment and then that was pretty much it but like i was totally down with you know like you said the mando style you know uh, roll into a village with your uh you know uh young young youngling that you're trying to take care of to get to you know where they need to go and it's kind of just fun seeing him go from town to town and how each town reacts to him slightly differently or the people that he kind of encounters from town to town and and how that kind of plays out and like you said it does feel episodic but that kind of works for the genre and for the movie and and it is always kind of interesting to see okay what what is this location going to be who is he going to run into and what problems is he going to have and i think most of the time that works um you get to see um uh michael cavino who directed uh um what did what's the movie the called climb, that was the, climb. the climb um which is kind of fun to see him come in and play like a a villain and um and then there was that one sequence which you already alluded to that i just kind of threw me off a little bit with its pacing where i felt like the movie had a pretty good flow to it but when they hit that village and um and everything like shit hits the fan very quickly and then he goes in and kind of you know like you said goes would you rather listen to this fake news or would you rather hear about what's actually happening and then this uprising kind of happens very very quickly and um that just felt like it felt a little rushed and like you said heavy-handed um to the point where i'm like man this all happens very very quickly (laughs) and um i just kind of felt that moment in the film kind of pulled me out a bit 
Um, but then ultimately it kind of wins me back over. And I really do like the relationship between uh, Hanks and, and, and Zengle and um, you know, with uh, Captain Kidd and, and Joanna. And uh, um, there are some tender and, and cute moments throughout the movie of him bonding with her and, and having conversations in the, in the carriage and just protecting her. And, and, you know, and again, we keep going back to Mandalorian, but we've seen, this is a is a trope in the western genre but I, it it works for a reason and um i think it works pretty well here and i think it's just you know and i like seeing greengrass we didn't touch on this either like him be a little bit more subdued like i just feel like the the movie it's no not slow by any means and it actually moves at a pretty good pace but um it's not uh there's not a ton of shaky cam the action sequences he actually kind of lets play out in in both long shots and just kind of let the you know the action kind of play out um and i I was kind of into that like i made one joke about shaky cam um in the movie but it makes sense for the shot that he was using it in i just kind of like to poke fun at that but um i like seeing him kind of you know tone down his style a little bit and just kind of let things play out um which i kind of liked with his direction in this yeah he's 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 following the tropes of the western i mean westerns in general apologize for my dog maybe tom hanks is here to to read the news um but what he is doing here is he's he he is sort of paying tribute and homage to how westerns play out you have you know the gunslinger type kind of moseying on over from, you know, town to town and kind of cleaning up the rift raff. And this, you know, he's, this is the one thing that kind of goes against that grain where, you know, Hanks's character is not that kind of person. Like he has his personal demons, you know, from the war. And, and it is interesting to sort of see a guy, you know, like Hanks playing a Confederate instead of a union guy and sort of, yeah. you know, being somebody who, you know, after the war and after losing does, is it, isn't as bitter and isn't, you know, as sort of spirited <laughs> as some other yeah. people are, or at least feeling like they're, you know, like they're sore losers or what have you, or at least the idea of just feeling, you know, defeat, defeat has a different kind of meaning and context for, for, for people. You can look at the, you know, the, the Confederates, for what they were and, you know, like disagree on things like slavery, which is obvious, but you know, there, there are people that didn't want to be, you know, those kind of people. And, you know, like they still had to enlist, unfortunately, and they still had to be a part of, you know, their, their side of the, the, the country in terms of, you know, fighting. But um, I, I honestly do think that Greengrass, you know, like the searchers specifically is, is the film that like, obviously it's, it's this really weird kind of like sort of reversed engineered version of that. And then on top of it, you have Darius, uh, Wolski, who's the cinematographer who usually works with, um, Ridley Scott, who's shooting these beautiful, you know, vast open landscapes. And, you know, like, even though Captain Phillips, you know, took place on, on, you know, the high seas, this feels very much, you know, in vain with that, where you're seeing kind of this wide open space and, you know, miles and miles of, of undeveloped land. And, you know, it is also making very much a a commentary on, you know, the indigenous uh, populations in Texas specifically kind of being removed from their land and being pushed to the side. And I think that is actually more subtle than the uh, political commentary that's being made with the fake news stuff. Um, The only other thing I would say that it's a little bit kind of jarring is some of the augmented CGI. There's a boulder. There is, um, yeah, 
some additional uh, cattle that are being kind of used in the kind of bird's eye view sequences that feel like, okay, this is like, you know, added in post-production. But I also like how he kind of, I mean, you mentioned uh, Michelangelo Cavino, but he also, you know, meets up with his old army buddy, Ray McKinnon, and his wife, played by uh, Mary Winning, uh, Winningham, and then uh, Elizabeth Marvel on the way. And like seeing those relationships and how they play out, like there's an interesting backstory there, but it doesn't have to kind of, you know, go through exposition of who they are. It just gives you kind of like one line of dialogue here and there. And, and I think it's funny at times as well like there are moments where like you know he's reacting to this little girl who kind of you know is a little bit of a brat at first but yeah at the same time it's kind of fun to see how you know patient he is with her and understanding and considerate and, and you know the guy that like for all intents and purposes could just basically leave her to her own devices and 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 go on but you know he decides that you know he's going to go through with this because there's this weird sort of maybe redemption arc that he feels personally like he needs to do something to redeem what he did maybe in the civil war and the things that he's seen in the civil war um it's also interesting to note that that's the major change from the script to uh from the book so in the book he is actually paid to take her back to her uh, relatives where in the movie, it, as we mentioned, he kind of stumbles across her uh, in his journey. So I think that was kind of interesting as well, where you have a guy that's kind of like thrown into a mission, so to speak, instead of just being hired to, you know, go on one. Yeah, no. I, and I think that's the heart of the movie is the relationship between those two characters and in that trope in general, like I mentioned, why it works so well. And um, there are some great moments by a campfire where she's kind of digging through his, um, you know, his luggage and finding which different foods he has, like coffee and sugar and different things like that. And um, it's just those kind of small moments or like I said, r- them riding around in the carriage and, and just seeing Hanks because he has he's such a he's one of the most likable guys. And like I said, like the movie lets him kind of release his inner badass at times too. Like he's never like a, you know, a John Wick action hero in the movie, but he's that I think that perfect, like, you know, grizzled grizzled but not like gunslinger but like that guy who will fuck you up but you don't know he can fuck you up kind of thing and he's still but then he's still friendly tom hanks when he's interacting with this young girl and like um and just how he kind of just watches her and lets her kind of you know be curious and, and and learn on her own and also just give her you know uh you know short answers and direct answers, but then even his facial expressions, kind of how he reacts to her and stuff, I think is really kind of uh, wonderful. And I, I just, I love Tom Hanks. I could sit and watch Tom Hanks in anything really. Um, mostly. I mean, he's been in some bad stuff too, but like um, I just like hanging out with Tom, Tom Hanks and I, I've, I'm not a huge fan of the Western genre. I feel like um I think what I, I mean, I have nothing against them. Um, again, I guess it goes back to my joke about not liking period pieces, <laughs> no matter what the period is. But, um, but I think I, there are Westerns that win me over. And I would say that this one is, uh, is super enjoyable and really, really solid. Well, the Western genre in general, it, it has now become this, 
I mean, it used to be very popular in the 50s and 60s, especially. Yeah. And like, you went away for a long time. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's the thing. Like, that's why they become kind of a novelty again, because Westerns are expensive to make. They're kind of, you know, big, sprawling epics. They require, you know, a lot of crew, a lot of, you know, shooting outdoors for the most part, you know, picking remote areas. Remote areas. Um, but you look at like the time of, you know, John Ford and then like that American Western. And then you look at somebody like, you know, Sergio Leone who brought the spaghetti Western, which was a much more stylized version, you know, a lot of dubbing and post-production, but had this kind of more slick kind of fast paced, um, you know, kinetic energy to it because it was more of this operatic kind of story. And not to say that like, you know, the John Ford movies or the Anthony Mann films didn't have that because they're, they're, they're very much, you know, uh, genre pieces as well. But the, the, the spaghetti Western or even something like the great silence, the Sergio Cabucci movie, they all kind of had a little bit of a different flavor to them. And so watching those kind of Westerns, like you can tell like, like Tarantino is the guy that, you know, is, is a huge fan of, of Westerns. And it's interesting to see, like, even, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, seven samurai, um, you know, how that was remade into the magnificent seven. And, and, you know, you, you see how these movies kind of get remade or retold and we, continue to tell them over and over again, because it's, you know, during a time of, you know, when the world was still very much developing, you know, and, and, and you look at something like true grit, which is celebrating its 10 year anniversary, the wild, uh, the the Coen brothers (laughs) version versus the, uh, the, the, the John, another Western that I love. Yeah. Yeah. And like, they're, they're if they're done well it's like any genre you you, you get you know it's a weird ones. statement of like if a movie's good it's good who right. cares yeah but then like it's interesting to see the people sort of like talk about like what is like you know the 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 good ones or the kind of the obscure movies or the ones that are kind of like you know the ones that aren't that aren't great but maybe have kind of an influence on other films or, or genres because again there's a lot of stuff like even in the 70s when they were making sort of exploitation films like the western kind of turned again and got a little bit more dirty and violent and 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 kind of gross and and westerns i think when they're at their best can be all those things like you read a lot of like cormac mccarthy stuff and and you know like blood meridian is one of the most violent books i've ever read um and that's probably why like it's never been made into a movie because it's almost weren't they impossible. trying for the longest oh, time? they have everybody has tried to take a crack at this thing from ridley scott to james franco to paul, paul greengrass i think even at one point was trying like that is a story that is so brutal is so violent that is so racist but the characters are racist not cormac mccarthy like the like yeah. the, the, the the time i should specify that that cormac mccarthy is not um that it's just it, it's so hard to adapt something like that and it's kind of best left on the page um it's i wouldn't say it's exactly the same as catcher in the rye but it's almost impossible to adapt um but i just love the genre as a whole and i kind of like the slow burn quality of them um because especially when you get to like the clint eastwood stuff in the 70s where you have you know the outlaw josie wales and um you know into the 80s with pale rider and things like that and then obviously you know with his magnum opus clint eastwood's magnum opus in the 90s with unforgiven like unforgiven is one of the greatest revenge westerns ever made it's perfect top to bottom and that is the film that is now kind of emulated the most 
but I just love talking about westerns overall, and 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 I think that's why I'm I'm giving this a, a more favorable review than I normally would because I think that this is just a, a, a solid entertainment with such a likable, charismatic lead who isn't afraid to get down to a little hanky panky at times. So you yeah. know, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally understand that, and um, I think I'm just a, a bit softer coming from the other side of it where that one sequence in that town um which we keep talking about where the, with the fake news town just really kind of that was like, the name rubbed, of the town by the way yeah fake news town. <laughs> uh rubbed me the wrong way a little bit and ultimately the, the movie did win me over again by the end but um and i still enjoyed it quite a bit but i i don't know if i'm in love with it but i, I will give it a three and a half out of five i i dug it i'll give it a solid four nice um thank you all for listening um we're getting close to the end of the year uh, a lot of different christmas releases uh you guys can check out our reviews for uh the other christmas releases uh disney pixar soul which is streaming on disney plus you can check out a review of that uh warner brothers wonder woman 1984 um is it 1984 yeah, yeah. right okay the year karate kid came out uh speaking of karate kid uh cobra kai uh seasons one and two spoiler cast is up we'll have a review for season three coming for you guys uh promising young woman which comes out on christmas day our review will be up in january because we're releasing that closer to you know it's vod release or when we think um actually it will be closer to its vod release since we're in a lockdown for most of uh january so theaters will not be open um but yeah tons of reviews up on the channel go check everything up uh uh here uh, as well as at Untitled Movie Podcast. Our 80th draft is up right now for you guys to check out, which is our two and a half hour conversation about Disney Investors Day uh, and tons of announcements from that. As well as Untitled Movie Conversations, our, our, our newest conversations are up with Joey Noel and Nick Scarpino from Kind of Funny. Uh, we also have a conversation with Joey Magison from Awards Radar, where we talk about, you know, award season this year. So please go check those out. Uh, hit uh, subscribe on all those three channels. Drop us a review if you have a couple seconds on any of those uh, podcasts, as well as follow us on all of those social medias at Untitled underscore cast. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And you can also, did you mention the Untitled Movie Podcast uh, social medias? Yeah, I just did. Okay. Right Sorry. I was, I, was, I was in a daze there for a second. Uh, okay. And I'm Eric Marchin. Uh, you can, sometimes uh, I'm on autopilot where I'm like, and and sometimes I do mention it. Sometimes I don't. I've tried. Yeah. Like sometimes I just zone it. I black out and I just say the intro and outro now. But I did mention it and all that, you know, the rigmarole. Well, you should do that. You should do what Matt said. Um, I'm Eric Marchin. Uh, you can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash scene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Reach for the sky. There's a snake in my boots. Oh yeah, Woody. We never I never put two and two together until right now. All right. This is the live action Woody movie, just like Lightyear is the yeah. live action. <laughs> Anyways, bye everybody.